Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. The rumors about Tom have been there forever. I think the writing has been on the wall about John Travolta since the 70s. There's been enough people to show that. The pictures of him and his pilot, the multiple men that have come out to say, I've been with John Travolta. Hello and welcome to another episode of On the Edge with Andrew Gold. And today my guest is Ono Nora. Well, better known as, well, no, she's better known as Ono Nora, and her name is Nora Ames. Nora grew up in Scientology, and she didn't know it then, but she was gay, I suppose. I'll let her tell her story more about, you know, all those kinds of things. But I came across her channel, Ono Nora, and a video that she did about why you can't be gay in Scientology, and it piqued my interest, uh, particularly with regards to the two most famous faces in Scientology who are always being linked with being gay or bisexual or whatever it might be, John Travolta and Tom Cruise. And Nora's own personal story is absolutely fascinating and sad and tragic and quite incredible and brave as well. And it does get quite difficult at times, as you'll see towards the end of the episode, where she discusses an attempt on her own life. So it does get that way towards the end. In the middle, we'll talk a lot about John Travolta and Tom Cruise and what's really going on with them. She's worked with uh, John Travolta quite closely over the years when she was in Scientology. Uh, as I always say, there are many big and wonderful episodes coming up. I don't quite know the order yet, so I can't, uh, I can't give too much information about which ones they will be, but they're going to be good. But now, wait, actually before, but now... Do follow the Patreon on patreon.com slash Gold. You can get it all ad-free, three episodes a week. There's a Saturday episode as well. Um, and really, I think most people just want to help support the podcast. That's what it's really about. It's just a, it's like tipping once a month, and it's a huge help when you guys do sign up. But now, again, <laughs> you're on the edge of why you can't be gay in Scientology with Ono oh Nora or Nora Ames. Oh, and make sure to follow her on Ono oh Nora on YouTube and Twitter and all those things. Enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of On the Edge with Andrew Gold. I've got Nora Ames, the wonderful Nora Ames, a former Scientologist. She's done, among many other things, a video about whether you can be gay in Scientology, and that's a fascinating subject. Nora, how, how are you doing? Good. Good. Life is good. I mean, life is good now. Um, was that no, that's just words. I thought I was like, oh, good. I have schmutz on my shirt, but it's not. It's just words. Schmutz. Smutch, smutch is Yiddish. That's not Scientology-based. No, no, my wife is very Jewish, so mm. I often say schmutz. Is yes, she? Yes, yes. 
schmutz from the German and Yiddish for dirt, I suppose. Yeah. So what happens? Can what you know? Can you be gay in Scientology, or why can't you be? Um. Wow, that's a very loaded question. We're just getting right yes. to the heart of it, Andrew. Just cut to the chase. I've gone. I've gone right in. I could have done the whole. You know, what else have you done today? Tell me a little How's bit about your life? other things. How's I've the gone, kids? No. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, well, that's fine. Let's just cut to the chase. Um. Yeah. So the the nitty gritty on that is. Um, Hubbard is extremely homophobic, but he also is very confusing. And that's just the nature of Scientology. So in the early works, um, there's two very like conflicting things. Okay. So in Dianetics, which of course is like the Scientology Bible, um, it's like what people refer to for, for all of their stuff. Um, he says very clearly in Dianetics that, uh, homosexuals are the worst thing ever, ever, ever since, you know, Satan, Hitler, uh, you know, all these things, but, um, they're, they're the worst criminals on the planet. Right. And it goes into about three pages in Dianetics and Dianetics is written teen tiny print. Um, so it's just like a lot. He's very obsessed with how bad they are and that they should all be sent off to an Island to just like go and die. And just it's horrific. Um, but in that same book, as I pointed out, um, just, a couple pages earlier, he says that a young girl shouldn't shy away from a kiss, even a passionate kiss, from an adult man. So it's like, what? Um, oh. So his ideas about sex and things are very strange. But later, two years, was it two years later? Sometime in the 50s, because that's written in 1950. But then later in the 50s, uh, he puts out the Freedom Congress. And it's called the Freedom Congress because he was in Washington, D.C. And in that set of lectures... He talks about, um, it, and this, this is the set of lectures that was given to me to listen to when it was discovered that I was the gay and, and I was kissing a girl and all this stuff. And, um, in this one tape, I'm trying to remember the name of the tape and I can't remember it, but he says, you know, um, you know, you go lifetime to lifetime and you don't know what body you're going to get, right? Like one lifetime you could be, you could have been a man for 14 lifetimes and then, oh, you're born a woman. And then what are you supposed to do? Learn how to sew? You know, oh, outrage, right? So, you know, uh, you know, you just make the best of it. And, you know, so as a, as a spiritual being, you don't like kind of like says spiritual beings don't have a gender, right? But you could have all these memories of being a man or a woman. And then you wake up one day and you're, you're a man or a woman. And it's very strange. And you have to kind of like twist yourself and pretzels to like, make this happen so like kind of some understanding of like how the gay happens and that it's like no big deal but don't do it no you know and it's like that tape was so confusing to me because i was like so it's okay but like he didn't care. but like, like absolutely not absolutely not because it's degraded like as um just to touch on the trial that's happening, like there's a there's a tone scale, right? In Scientology, at yeah. the very top, um, everything has a definition. Like there's just there's nothing that Hubbard didn't define with like just fine tooth comb. And this is how they keep you enslaved. Is there's just all these definitions, and it's so significant, and like everything is significance of significance, right? So as a spiritual being and as a person, there's tones, right? 
So there's um, at the top, there's tone 40, that's serenity of beingness, right? And at the bottom, there's negative 40. So it's like a lot of things. But 0.0 is body death, okay? And then there's things below body death that you can be as a spiritual being and still have your body be alive somehow. That's... Oh, right. Right. Okay. So just above body death is victim. And then 2.0 is anger. Now, 1.1 is covert hostility. Okay. And on this scale, there's like these little poofy guys. They're like little puffballs. Um, and they have like little faces to describe the tones, right? So when you're a kid, you look at them and you're like, they're kind of cute, but sometimes they're like a little scary, like the angrier tones and the sadder tones. So Covert Hot Silly had like a little knife behind his back with like a little like, like face like this. Homosexuality is at 1.1. Because all homosexuals are liars, deceivers, because they are not truthful about their intentions. Right? They are nasty. This nasty. is this is by in case anyone's just tuned in and just heard that last sentence. This is by what Hubbard that's said. A, oh, hundred percent. That's not right now. like I'm not that. <laughs> obviously, like oh, that's that's me all the time. Yeah. Like absolutely not. So that is where you know homosexuals are absolutely not trusted to to do anything in life um so if you are the gay then you are automatically at this level no matter what you do in life like you could be a, a nobel peace prize winner cure cancer uh adopt 80 children from around the world who all then go on and win the olympics and are you know supreme citizens of the of the world and do nothing but philanthropic work and help people and never get a parking ticket and are just like a genuinely <laughs> good person and you're still you're one point one in in the mind of a I scientologist see. right because you choose to love and have a respectful relationship with someone who has the same bits and pieces as you like it makes no <laughs> sense yeah. it makes no sense because they are literally obsessed with sex in Scientology. Like, sex is the ultimate obsession. And, and it is insane that they are so obsessed with it. Like, masturbation is a crime in Scientology. Yeah. It's a crime. This is... This is funny though, isn't it? Because it's just like, it seems to, to you and to me, it's totally bonkers, isn't it? But this is stuff that happens in loads of religions. Oh yeah. Um, and you can also see, obviously, he was a sci-fi writer. Right. And you can see how in his head it made sense to be like, okay, different, different, uh, you've been a different body before. Mm -hmm. That's why you're gay or whatever it might be. Do we know anything about I know he had wives, didn't he? But do we know Multiple. much about? And for anyone who doesn't know, L. Ron Hubbard is the uh, the founder of of Scientology. I should just state that. Um, yeah, do we know much about his um, sexuality? Um, he was nasty and rude and abusive to his wives, um, per report from his first two wives, who he hit and abandoned. Um, he let his third wife, uh, Mary Sue, go to jail for him. Uh, she took the fall for Operation Snow White, and then he let her rot in a mansion in Hollywood and left her nothing. He was a dick. And he, he hated women. I mean, I don't think he was gay, secretly gay, but if you look at his science fiction, if you've never read Mission Earth Kids, okay, which we were required to read somehow because we were all required to read his stupid fiction books to get them to the number one on the bestsellers list, which is like so dumb, right? 
um, because no one wanted to read these stupid books. But if you've never read Mission Earth, um, the main bad guy in the book, whose name I can't remember, um, uh, had an obsession with his penis, like an like a fanatical obsession with his penis to the point where he got a penile enlargement in the in the book and then proceeded to have crazy sex like multiple chapters of sex with an underage prostitute who like 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 a whole chapter about this girl's vaginal uh undulations on his now enlarged penis I mean, like, but we're not allowed to talk about or or engage in self-pleasure because that's a crime in Scientology. Yet this man bent clearly. I don't know how long he thought about this process to do this enlargement, which was not a thing at the time when he wrote Mission Earth. Let's face it, he wrote Mission Earth in the late 50s, early 60s. This was not a common surgery that was occurring for for men in any country that I know of. Um, the fact that this guy came from outer space and then got a 14-year-old hooker and then was engaging in this sexual act with her and the graphicness with which he describes this repeated sexual act with this girl. Um sums up his uh his idea of proper sex in you know it is a fiction so people could say well that's fiction but let's be honest people yeah this is yeah. a debate i have with people about um woody allen because i've said this before and i got don't get me started on woody my allen <laughs> my stepmom's a huge defender of Woody Allen. And I I think, like, it's just... I know people say it's fiction. I get shouted at for saying this. But it's just, like, movie after movie is, like, him with an underage Thank you. girl. And you then know? he raised his stepdaughter and married her. I'm sorry. I'm a stepmom. My wife and I have combined kids, right? Like, I had two kids with my ex-husband. She had two kids with her ex-husband. And our kid, like, do doed in age, okay? I had two boys. One of my um, kids is now non-binary. And then she had uh, a daughter and a son. So her oldest child now became a middle child. My oldest stayed the oldest and her youngest stayed the youngest. So they like sandwiched into like a family, right? Um, and this would be like me raising my stepdaughter and then leaving my wife for my stepdaughter, which is unthinkable, disgusting, like never in a gajillion years going to like, what? And like, that's just yeah, like, I yeah. can't. And then everyone's just like, oh, well, you know, that happens. Like, no, that doesn't, like, that would be like me having gotten together with my stepdad who raised me since I was 10. You know, he passed two years ago. I mean, he was also already two, 22 and a half years older than my mother. Thank you very much. That was already like a whole thing. And his, his older kids thought that my mom was like, you know, oh, this lady's like a gold digger. Here she comes. And they were together longer than his than their mom had been with him and his second wife. She was the she was the lady that stayed the longest until he passed. But like, you know, that's like that's insane. 
I mean, it's just insanity. It is me. insane, yeah. It's insane. Even if the allegations themselves about, you know, Dylan Farrow, even if they aren't tr- true or are true, whatever, just that bit, which we know is true, is pretty pretty bonkers. And, uh, I, you know, I don't even know where to start with it. But going back to uh, L. Ron Hubbard, I mean, you, you touched on something, I, I guess, which, which was at the back of my mind, because obviously over the years there have been a lot of people who wanted to repress uh, other people's homosexuality because they might have been secretly harboring, you know, those kinds of whatever. So... One of the things that comes up time and time again is the sexuality of Tom Cruise and John Travolta. And a lot of people, and I don't, I don't, it's not something, because it sounds like accusing them, and it shouldn't, you know, it's not something you accuse someone of being, it doesn't matter. But the point would be, they would be staying in Scientology because of fear of it getting out if they don't, they don't want other people to know or something like that. Do you have any sort of knowledge or, or insight into that? I mean, the rumors about Tom have been there forever. I don't, have any firsthand knowledge of Tom not being, you know, the straightest man in North America. Um, because I don't know anything about that. I mean, I think the writing has been on the wall about John Travolta since the seventies. I mean, you know, there's been enough people to show that. I mean, the pictures of him and his pilot, uh, the multiple men that have come out to say, you know, I've been with John Travolta. My, my sadness for John Travolta, it is of a multitude. Number one, um, losing Jet, who was a sweetheart, and the fact that Scientology prevented both him and Kelly from getting Jet um, any proper treatment as a as a mom of a kid who has autism. Um, I was able to avail myself of a multitude of help for him, and um, they were not. They were prevented from getting jet, uh, just resources in general that would have helped him. And I mean, like my kid went to public school and they were able to get him the testing that he needed. And then he got physical therapy and speech therapy and he got just resources from public school that jet didn't get. I'm sure jet had was surrounded by a lot of love and other things because Kelly was an incredible woman who I'm 100% sure knew what was going on with John. And I really wished, what I had wished for the two of them for years is that they had just come out like with a joint statement, like, listen, kids, we have a loving marriage. I'm 100% aware that my husband is bisexual and what he does in his private time is fine. We are in an open marriage. And that's the end of it. Enough said. Like, let's just all stop talking about it. And if they had just done something like that, it would have just squashed it because they could have just been like, we're happy in what we're doing and it's none of anyone's business. Move it along. Because I don't think for any moment Kelly was fooled or that she didn't know or that she didn't love John exactly as he was because she was that kind of person. Um, and I think every day she tried to help him be the best John that he could be. And he is from the few times I've gotten to work with him and meet him, one of the most generous, kind, magnanimous people, um, that's like really existed on planet earth, despite shilling for Scientology, which I disagree with because it's not benefiting him in any way. 
Um, it's not helping him and it's preventing him from being his true self and being happy. And that's why I wish like Aaron and I were talking the other night, if we had somebody we could wish that they could leave Scientology. I have an entire list of people that I wish could leave Scientology. He's on the list. Um, just because it's not helping him. It's not helping him to keep talking about it. It's not helping him to get more people to do it or say that it's beneficial. Do you know what I mean? Because he truly is like a good person. And by him continuing to say like, oh, Scientology is the reason why this, that, and the other thing, it's a lie. Because every time somebody says that, it's a lie. Scientology is 0% the reason anybody has had success or anything else. The only reason, you know, the only reason somebody had success is because they did it. Scientology makes you believe that Scientology is the reason you've had success, right? A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about, but in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash heretics and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn dot com slash heretics to learn more. Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on What Could Go Right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so I want to I want to say about John. So, so you yeah. think it's pretty conclusive? I mean, the thing is with with John, as everybody says, what a nice everyone I've spoken to who's been involved in Scientology. What a nice guy John Travolta is. Absolutely, Tom Cruise horrible. John Travolta nice. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, yeah, I mean, some of the things involving John 
And these are complete allegations of things I've read about in, in right. tabloid newspapers, but they involve things that were not necessarily consensual. Am I right in saying that? Uh, the tabloids definitely said that. I mean, I mean, I never witnessed anything involving John that was like, you know, anything like that because he was just always, you know, like I worked with him and that was, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a woman, so it wasn't like we were doing anything like that. We were just doing, you know, Scientology procedures. Um, That's pretty cool, by the way. Yeah, no, he is such a sweetheart. Like, he's just so nice. I mean, he found out once that it was my birthday and he like signed in like a photo for me i think i still have it somewhere it's a really great picture of him too in one of his old cars and stuff it's really awesome but um yeah i mean and that's when i was in the sea org so you know um but yeah he's uh i mean there's just nothing i don't i don't know if anybody could possibly meet john travolta and have something bad to say about him other than these people if they had a non-consensual experience that's bad 100 yeah. percent. i don't don't yeah I don't condone anybody doing something that's non-consensual um, with someone else. Um, and it's sad to me that, like, he would have to put himself in a scenario like that to to do things like that. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, you know, that again, that's what I, that's, that's my point. It's like, just go be yourself, be happy. Like, if you're gay, and and I understand the position that he's in, twisting himself in a knot, trying to be, famous and be John Travolta and but it's like I think more people would embrace you frankly if you're just gay, oh yeah you know but he's but he's a true believer in Scientology and you've just told us that Scientologists believe it's the most twisted thing you can be or whatever one of the most twisted things so he must have that going through his mind a hundred percent he would have to like the in the other courses that you do like the PTSSP course which stands for potential trouble source suppress the person right um that course really like throws you for a loop um you learn the difference between the two and how you cannot become a potential trouble source how to handle suppressive people and so um you get put on that course specifically if you become ill or if you're surrounded by suppressive people or um and celebrities are made to do that course specifically so that they can handle the suppressive people in their life um and if they have uh pts people around them um, how they should handle them because celebrities can quote unquote pull people in like that, um, that may be bad influences, you know, people that might want them to leave Scientology specifically, you know, that bad news bears, um, kind of a situation. So they would want to be able to handle that, right? We Scientology specifically would want them to, you know, like cut ties. So it teaches you the techniques to spot, you know, bad people, um, bad people, or is anybody who's going to say, talk some shit about Scientology. That's bad. bad, bad. And um, it just teaches you, <laughs> the course teaches you how to spot negative tones, how to spot the one-one, how to spot um, anybody who is going to try and pull you in a direction that isn't towards survival, anybody who is not going to, um, you know, who's going to try and pull you off purpose, which is away from Scientology. Scientology is the only purpose. Scientology is survival. Everything else is death. So it's it's more brainwashing. It's very severe indoctrination, this course, a lot of brainwashing. And then it also gets you to start questioning yourself because you're reading all this documentation about what suppresses are, what they equal and all this stuff. And especially as a gay person, there's a lot of homophobia in these documents. Um, the entire book, Science Survival, is a lot of misogyny, a lot of um, even more homophobia because it was written in 1952. Um, 
And so then as the, as like a closet is gay person, you're like, oh, this is, this is directed at me. Mm. And, and so now you go deeper, like I know I did reading it, like go deeper into yourself and just like, oh, I'm gonna like close myself off even more. Um, and you start thinking maybe I'm a suppressive person. And so you try even harder to, to not be that, right? To, to be even better, to be like the best Scientologist, right? Like I'm going to be the best. And I don't know if that's why Tom Cruise is like, I'm the most Scientology Scientologist on the planet. I mean, you know, at one point they had to tell him no because he tried to like quit acting and join the Sea Organization, like for realsies. Like he was wow. like, he was going to join the Sea Org because he got so on purpose. God, that's it. I'm quitting acting. And the How do you know that? Um, because they told it as a story during our muster because we're at Celebrity Center. And he was like, you know, he had to be talked off a ledge to like not quit acting. This is like right after The Last Samurai came out, you know, and he was all like, go, like, I'm a samurai, <laughs> you know, and like, you know, and we were like, Tom, we need you to like stay out there and just keep making movies because that's that's how you clear the planet, buddy. You're Tom Cruise, you know. You're the most, like, and then they got the Freedom Medal. You're the most important person on planet Earth. Because, and that's why he runs around thinking he's the most important person on planet. I'm sorry, planet Earth. I apologize on behalf of Scientology for Tom Cruise's erratic, dumb fuckery behavior. Because that's what Scientology did. And it's kind of like what Scientology did to my father. Um, although my father never became a famous actor, um, it was the same mind. It was the same mind game, right? And my dad um, was a Vietnam vet, so he had like severe PTSD. And then came home, got into Scientology, was like, "This is the bee's knees." And then won an award. I said incorrectly, did a thousand hours about it. It was actually a hundred in one week, and got a big award from L. Ron Hubbard, and got awarded what's called Pakan status in ethics, right? This is the highest award you can get in, from ethics. Before there was like a freedom medal, there was no International Association of Scientologists at the time. And when you're a Kakan, they stopped awarding it in the 70s and early 80s because it was, people were really taking this to the nth degree. But you can be forgiven murder five times over when you're a Kakan. Like literally no crime that wow. you cannot do because you're Kakan. You can just pull out your certificate be and be like, no, nope, can't, can't get me with that. I'm a Kakan. And so my dad like walked around like that. And then when he got to be OT, he really thought like that he was just like a, like a superhero, like a, right. you know, like he was from the, the status, Marvel universe. It? Yeah. And like, but the man didn't pay child support. He didn't like, you know, he wasn't, I mean, he was fun. He was a lot of fun. Like he was fun at parties. Um, that's another podcast though, Andrew, we're not talking about my daddy issues, but, but you know what I mean? It's like, but that, but look at Tom Cruise as a dad. I mean, he's a, like, he abandoned Surrey for what? For Scientology. For sci just like my dad, like my dad picked Scientology over me too. He it picked the church. To, um, one of my favorite, 
phrases which is charity starts in the home because you do get people who just get whether it be like a super left wing or super right wing or super uh whatever your thing is you they get so carried away and it's like look start by just doing nice things for people around you yeah. start by looking after your own kids your own parents exactly. your own friends and things like that then if you've got i suppose i'm sounding a bit jordan peterson because he goes just make your bed you know just get, but <laughs> there's you know there, there's some truth to that just yeah. do the nice things first and then you can go out and start saving clearing the planet or whatever it might be and it seems like tom cruise has a problem but see clearing that. the planet doesn't mean like it, it sounds nice as a principle however Clearing the planet for Scientologists means not even what the majority of Scientologists think it means. Okay. So clearing the planet in the majority of Scientologists' eyes is a rosy picture where they think that Scientology will be the religion of planet Earth and that um, all of the majority of the planet will be the state of clear, which means they won't have their own reactive mind and um, people will be less criminal and will just like have a utopian society. However, asterisk, air quotes, L. Ron Hubbard clearly stated that Scientology is here to make the able more able. I do not know the exact numbers, okay? That is not something I am privy to, of the amount of disabled people just in the United States alone, let alone the rest of the world, okay? And by disabled, uh, a handicapped or whatever, I, I apologize for not knowing the exact proper term, but, and I do mean this in any form of disability, like if you're blind, deaf, um, you're missing limbs, uh, you're in a wheelchair, any form of disability would disqualify you, including mental illness. Like, no, no. Um, you're disqualified for being in the able, more able category. Okay. So what happens to all those people? Like if you're born deaf, that's, oh, well, I guess you're not going to get clear. Like, it's sorry. Disgusting. Right. Oh, well, if you're born blind, well, I guess you're just not going to make the cut. You're like, you're going to put you on an island over there where everybody else, like, we're just going to kill that baby at birth because we're here. Like, a cleared planet in Elrond's mind is perfect people sounding like anyone else familiar in the background, right? It's this utopian perfection society because you have to rewind the clock. He was in Aleister Crowley's magic cult with Parsons and all these other guys. And, you know, it's been revealed through research with his great-grandson, Jamie DeWolf, and stuff that he basically at one point told his son, Junior, that all of Scientology, everything that he had developed up to that point, uh, all the auditing, Dianetics, all this stuff, was an extension of magic, of the magic cult that he was in, to create a portal to let Lucifer in. Okay. To, because the whole point of the magic cult was to, like, birth Lucifer back into the world. But then, he took it one step further. Like, he was developing all these things, 
you know, to create these uh, OT levels, the operating theming levels, blah, blah, blah. So apparently when he was doing that, he was on the ship and he would like drop in a lot of acid to create these OT levels. And he was also like avoiding the IRS in England because he owed them a bunch of taxes and treasure hunting to try and make money back. So he's dropping acid, trying to find treasures from past lives. This was this whole expedition. And he's trying to research these upper levels. It was like a whole mess. This is also like the fifth expedition that he's gone on in his life. When he was younger, he kept trying to like get expeditions funded all over the world and the boats would sink and they would like the engines would break. I mean, the guy's like failed treasure hunter, con artist since he's a kid. Okay. So now he's got a crew of religious zealots on a boat with him who think that they're treasure hunting, you know, they think they're finding his past lives in the middle of the Mediterranean. They're doing research, research into time. That's the name of the mission. And meanwhile, he's just literally treasure hunting, trying to find treasure because he's broke. So he's dropping acid, researching these upper levels, blah, blah, blah. And he writes it all down. So then one of the major things he realizes after finding body thetans and all this other stuff because he's tripping out on acid, then he's like, well, now that he's made these discoveries, he bans LSD from use from all members because why find out about these body thetans for free by taking acid? When I can charge you, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get to these levels. So now nobody can take LSD. The other thing that happens is he finishes writing OT level eight, which is the only level that you can get to in Scientology. Um, it's the highest level. You have to go to the, the floating hotel in the sea, um, the ship, the free winds. And, um, when it was first released in 1990, whatever. People got there. They're very excited. It was a big ceremony. Ray's like stoked. Very first people are going to take it after having finished the solo. You know, they had to do the solo to get to it. So the very first people, it's a big party, very expensive. They read the materials. It's confidential. They're in the middle of the ocean. Okay. In the like Caribbean. The original OT8 materials, and you can find all this online. The original OT8 materials stated, like in the part of the religion in Scientology says, Christianity is bad. You know, don't be a Christian. Um, somehow people who are Jewish are allowed to celebrate Hanukkah and stuff, but mostly it's like, you know, don't be a Christian, just be a Scientologist, but we love every religion. Come be here. It's we're the religion of religions. Mm, Tom Cruise said that. Right. We're the religion of religions. Um, but you're like, we celebrate Christmas, but it's like, you know, do it quickly and get back on course. Like, you know, open your presents and then come back. Um, uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't waste time doing that. Like, okay, fun. Um, so in the OT8 materials, it's revealed. Um, okay, guys, here's the real deal about Jesus. Okay. I'm going to give you the hot scoop. Jesus was real. Like, first they tell you all throughout all the study you're doing, Jesus wasn't real. That's a lie. Um, actually, when you die, you go to the other side of the moon and you get implanted with this idea of Jesus to keep you trapped on planet Earth. Like, this is the story that you're running with, like, throughout your whole studies in Scientology. But now you get to OTA. Just kidding. Jesus was real, guys. Guess what? Jesus was a real guy. But here's the hot scoop. He was a pedophile. Bad guy. So Bible doesn't tell you the real scoop. Jesus was a bad guy. He was a pedophile. Mm -hmm. So... But also, the real scoop is Lucifer 
was the good guy. Lucifer means bringer of light. That means he was the good guy. So Bible got it twisted. And surprise, I'm Lucifer. Oh, that's a great ending to the oh my, book, isn't it? Right. right. <laughs> and people got so upset. Okay, because a majority of Scientologists have left Christianity behind, have left Catholicism behind to be dedicated. They, they got booted from their Catholic families. They have like, like disconnected from hardcore Christian life to be Scientologists. They have thrown away their faith in Jesus, okay? They have, like, told their grandparents to F off, like, unbaptized themselves. They have, like, just, like, literally torn themselves away from the thing they grew up with, from what they loved. And now this guy, who's also dead, okay? So they can't look into his eyes and be like, are you, you know, has just told them this thing in writing. So he has to believe it. They've gone through this whole journey for decades to get here, waiting for this superpower to come to them. Okay? And this is what they're told. People literally tried to jump off the boat in the middle of the ocean. They literally were like, I'm out. That's it. Life is uh, over. I can't believe that. And they've spent like millions by this point, millions. or at least hundreds of thousands of dollars millions. to get these answers. So they had to edit it. They had to tone it down a little bit. <laughs> they've changed They've changed the ending a little. It's still kind of the same, but they've edited it a little bit. But I mean, it's just like, I can't, I can't even believe like, yeah. The yeah. guy they was- it, but you still can't be gay or disabled. No, but he gets to be Lucifer. I mean, it's like, what's- <laughs> Yeah, like that Rolling Stones song or something. He thinks he's cool. Hey, going back to what we were just talking, we were talking about John Travolta before. And I'm just, I'm yeah. curious, you talk of him being bisexual. How, how do we, apart from the allegations that are in the tabloids and stuff and the fact that he likes dancing or whatever, you know, uh, we can't just go by that. How do we know he's bisexual or anything well, like that? Well, I wouldn't say, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying that's the statement I would have put out. I don't think he's bisexual in the same way that I'm not bisexual. Like, I was married to a man for 12 years. I have two children by a man. I am definitely not bisexual. Um, I would say that I tried to squish myself in the straight box for 12 years and gave it more than the college try uh, to be to be straight. Um, why did I do that? That's way too long of a conversation. Um, but, um, so you think John Travolta's gay, but even, think, even so, how do we know that? I think he's super gay. My, my mother-in-law asked me that question the other day. Cause she was like, how do you guys, how do gay people know when another person's gay? Like, how do you know? And I'm like, how do you know when a man is straight and he's into you? It's the same way, honey. It's the same way. If I'm in. Uh, like when I was a barista at Starbucks and a woman came in and before I even had this haircut, I had a different haircut. But like if a woman came in and she's checking me out, I know. It's the same way. And she could look, my wife has long hair. She looks very, very femme, very straight. If we're not together, most people think my wife's straight. Right. Uh, no one's thinking I'm straight. Most time I'm getting stirred where I'm going, like even I have very large boobs. They're very obvious, my boobs, but I'm still getting served. So that's fine. But 
um, you know, like. Uh, but John wouldn't have been coming on to you because that's the whole point. No, but he's not. Yeah, I don't. He's not. In a private, Is it just a known fact? I think it's just a known fact. I mean, it's just gay men look at him and go, that's our guy. I mean, like, that's just when you're gay, you know, a gay guy. And I think sometimes straight people get get it wrong when they see someone who's the gay and they're like, oh, that's oh, damn. And in the same way, sometimes we see I I see, you know, a, a beautiful woman and I'm like, and they're like, oh, no, honey, she's with her husband. And I'm like, oh, OK, mm-hmm. well, like, we could be wrong about John Travolta then. Could I mean oh, it's just we could all seem to be, be super wrong. I mean, listen, I have never witnessed him having sex with me. I don't want to see that. I don't I, I don't enjoy There's watching other people have sex. Men. There's photos of him kissing a man. I've never seen him in a photo passionately kissing a man. I've seen him doing like a, you know, a fatherly peck with a man. I mean, that's looks like a kiss I would give my kids the pictures. That I mean, frankly, and he's a very affectionate, effusive person. Do you know what I mean? And so people could play it off like that. And I have seen him very much embrace people who he considers to be his close friends. So. If he were gay or if he is, and the same goes for Tom Cruise, which I guess that's less I That's think people want about, Tom to be gay because yeah. they're infatuated with him. In the same way that I think a lot of gay guys want Chris Hemsworth to be gay. And that guy is super straight. I mean, he is very in love with his wife. It's not happening. You know, I mean, it's just that's not happening for him. I think people, they want Tom Cruise and John Travolta to be gay to an extent because they. I think it's very hard to fathom why somebody would be in a cult like Scientology and it takes a lot, you know, we go into it in our channels and all these things about the yeah. reasons and why people go for these things but if you're not that involved in it on the surface it's like I can't fathom it and it feels like it has to be because they have a dark secret or a secret that they don't want out there. But I mean that They that both c- got I mean, into it be. for basically the same reason around the same time. I mean like John got into it um, you know, during kind of a sad time in his life, he had lost a partner and um, it picked him up. And that's how Scientology gets most people. We were taught that when you're, when you're finding somebody, you find their ruin, right? And that's literally yeah. the drill that you do. You find somebody's ruin. You do a personality the test bad. on them. The, the negative thing. It's not even a negative thing. It's like, you know, you you do the personality test. It shows their little graph and you find the low point here. And the low point is um, somebody struggling with communication. And you start asking them questions about that. It's the same thing that you do in sales, right? So it, it's a sales pitch, right? So tell me about, you know, your struggles with communication, right? And the person's like, yeah, I get really nervous when I'm talking in public. I, you know, oh, well, what do you do for a living? Like, yeah, I'm in sales and, you know, it's hard when I have to like give a pitch and like, you know, I get really, I get sweaty and it's like, oh, like it's so hard for me and it's like I have to push through it and it like makes me, I, I, you know, I struggle with it. It's like, well, you know, what would you think if, you know, you struggled less with communication? Wouldn't that be great? And they're like, yeah, that would be great. I would love that. Like, hey, we have a course that could help you communicate better in life and it's only $50. How'd you like that? And people are like, well, that's not, I couldn't afford 50 bucks. It's like, it's going to help me with communication. That's it. It's not about religion. No, it's about your communication. 
yeah, we're just going to help you communicate better so that you can talk to your friends, your family, and it'll work in life. Like, that sounds great. And that's how it starts. Like, we're just going to help you communicate better in life so you can be a better salesperson. In the 30 or 40 years, the 30 or 40 years since then, though, it is possible that uh, one or both of them have thought, you know what? Maybe I don't want to be in this anymore. But they've had 40 years of auditing, which, which is like the therapy, Scientology kind of therapy equivalent. And then there's just years of blackmail. Yeah. So they, they could never, that's the thing is that, so if one of them were either gay or uh, had some sort of sexual issues or anything else they Everything. don't want getting out, they've got to stay in there. A hundred percent, because you've told, you've told everything about this lifetime, right? So you've confessed to things that may be real or maybe even not real, real or imagined. Okay. Let's be honest. Um, and then. When you've run out of things this lifetime, you have to go earlier similar, which goes into earlier lifetimes of similar crimes, which they write down. Okay, everything's written. And the celebrities don't know they're being recorded at all times. There's multiple cameras in all of those rooms that are recording them visually and uh, via microphones. Okay, so everything is recorded. And they don't have to consent to that because it's a religion. So if they don't have to follow those laws and have everybody sign. There's no NDAs for Scientology. There's no like, oh, hey, we don't have, we don't have, they don't have to sign away like a thing to use Nancy Cartwright's likeness because she's Bart Simpson, right? They're not saying, oh, hey, John, we're not going to use all these like, you know, and they want to know about sex. They're obsessed with asking about if something's wrong in your life. Oh, well, I didn't get that part. You know, because I went to the audition and I, I'm real sad about that. Well, have you been masturbating? Have you had sex outside your marriage? Like, is that why you didn't get a part? Because you masturbated yesterday? And then the masturbation thing will lead to other, you know, then they want to know about bigger sex crimes. If that doesn't give you the, the, the reaction on the needle that you should get, there's obviously bigger sex crimes. So have you been seeing prostitutes? Have you been doing this? Have you been doing that? It's always about sex. Everything that's wrong with you is about sex. So imagine, yeah, if they left. If they left, because it's not even just like oh. crimes or what they might not have committed any crimes. They might not even be hiding uh, certain things. It's just, just privacy. It's just they, they would have had to describe their fantasies, I presume, and things like that. They oh, just don't yes. want being out there. No, mm. it's, it's everything that, but, but it's like, it's just stupid stuff that most everyday people wouldn't even think of as a crime. Like, I was late today. Okay, well, that's a crime. <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's stuff that's not even a thing in normal life is, is a crime. You know, I was rude. I wasn't polite to so-and-so. Like, you know, I upset this person. Like, this is, this is a confession in Scientology. I mean, it's not even something you would say to a Catholic priest. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mad. Yeah, but it's stupid. It's, getting on to you, I think we've got about 15 minutes or so, or 10 minutes or something, on, on to your own life. You've talked about uh, dealing with your own sexual identity when you were younger and you're hearing all this anti-gay stuff. Also, I mean, do they send you to some sort of camp? When I was in the Sea Org, yes, I got sent to the camp. Um, when I got found out, well, I didn't really get found out. I confessed to it stupidly. Um, I got sent to the RPF, which is the Rehabilitation Project Force. Um, it was very cryptic. They didn't even have like the balls to write down what I did. They just said, Nora, 
engaged in Out2D activities with another CRG member. Out2D means that you've broken the second dynamic rules, um, this, which I didn't actually do. The second dynamic rules in the CORG um, mean that you cannot have sex before marriage. You cannot engage in any heavy petting before marriage. Um, I didn't do either of those things. Um, I just literally kissed another girl multiple times, granted, on the lips. There was no tongue involved. Um, but we did not engage in any heavy petting and we did not have sex. It was a very vanilla, boring relationship. Looking back on it, uh, should have done a lot more if I was going to go to like the, yeah. you know, labor camp for three years. Was she a Scientologist? She was in the Sea with me. We both yeah. went. Yeah. And then we ended up in yeah. the same place. So that was, yeah, not helpful to the gay. I mean, as I joked, Prior to going there, like working at Celebrity Center, you're in a very small dorm environment where you're, you're, you're like in a single bathroom. And so you take turns in the bathroom and everybody's like, I'm in the bathroom. I'm showering. Give me a minute. And like, it's very private and everybody's very modest getting changed. And then my first night on the RPF, because we went to the big blue building, you have a shower room, right? And it's just seven stalls. And so my first night after working, you know, construction, for that whole time, you you have to run up seven flights of stairs. So you're already exhausted. I'm running into this room with like my towel and my toiletries. And I go into this room and there's like 40 women. There's the seven stalls and just steam. And then there's like 40 women just basically undressing or naked coming in and out of these showers because you have five minutes basically to shower and then come out, right? And I'm like, this is not what is happening. Like, I had never been in, in my life, really, in a room just. <laughs> and their punishment for you, or, you know, was to put you okay. in this big shower of 40 this other, this presumably, not, lesbian women. This, no, these were all straight women. These are all straights. Right. And it was just like, that was just our life now. Like we just had to shower together and everyone's just talking to each other, just drying up. Like, oh my God, yeah, today that was crazy. We were like building stuff and just like drying up. And like, it was just, no and I'm like, this is not changing my mind. <laughs> Bloody hell. You're lucky you're not a man though, because a man w would have been given away by oh, no, their no, body. No, no, that they oh, no, 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 no. There was a gay guy on on the RPF, and he had a terrible time during shower time, and everybody knew. Yeah, because they would. Oh. Yes, because body, that body would happen. Body betrayed him. Yeah, all the time. Man, I hate bodies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they never do what you want them to do, do they? Yeah. Well, your women's bodies betray you too, because we're just like, ah, okay, yes. Like, I mean, it's hard to like, you know, the eyes thing. But yeah, I mean, but you know, yeah, all kinds of crazy stuff happened on the RPF. But I mean, we had a guy who figured out where the shower room was and he drilled a hole in the ceiling above it. Shut up. No, I'm serious. And was spying on us for months. What a creep. And then he didn't get kicked out. He just had to apologize to us. Because it's all on the same level, isn't it? It seems like everything is the same level, like being handicapped, being gay, having gay thoughts, holding hands. That or just guy's like still in people. good standing. I'm a yeah, suppressive person. Uh, well, Make it left, make sense. 
<laughs> well, he's still he's, you've left the you've left it, didn't you? You left Scientology, right? So because I'm you know. gay and I and I speak the truth about Scientology, right? And I say all these things happened. I'm a bad person, but a guy who drills a hole in the ceiling where women are taking a shower so that he can masturbate and watch us. Totally normal, totally fine. Gay, one one, evil, never forgiven. Scientology in a nutshell. You talk about a lot of this now, I suppose, with humor and anger. With you know, but it, when you left, it, it got it got very sad, didn't very. it? And I, you know, take me through that. Um. Yeah. I had. Well, I tried to leave several times per the procedures of Scientology. Um. Well, first I I ran away a couple times. Um. That's not the procedures. Um. And then they brought me back in very dramatic fashion. And um, then um, I tried to, uh, yeah. And then one day um, I got in trouble from the RPFIC because he saw that I was, I, I like to make people laugh. And he saw that a woman was laughing at my jokes and decided that I was flirting with her, which I was not. Um, I was just being me and decided to get me in an interview with someone who um, I really hated. And they decided to start asking me ridiculous questions. Again, sex, sex, sex. If I was having sex with this person, if I had kissed this woman, if I had done all these things. And um, after protesting and basically telling this person, like, like I told her to her face, like, this isn't Scientology. I'm not doing this interview. Like, I'm, I'm leaving. And she took my shoes. She wouldn't let me leave the room. Um, it became escalated to the point where, like, Five or six people were like trying to put me back in the chair to continue this ridiculous interrogation. I was like, listen, I'm only going to tell you guys this once. I'm leaving here. Like, we're not doing this. And they had me like pinned down to the floor. I was crawling towards the door. I was pounding on the door. Like it was a whole scene um, because I was pounding and screaming somebody from the other side was like opening the door and I managed to get like my two hands on the door and I pulled it open and the other person was like pushing and everybody's screaming like no and then you know like it was a whole thing anyway I somehow managed to like kick and get away from everybody at this point my nose was like partially like got like dislocated broken but I was bleeding here and bleeding from my hands and my feet because I didn't have my shoes or socks on and I ran out and this is in the basement area at the back corner um, of the big blue building. And people always ask me, like, why didn't you run to, like, the police or, like, down Fountain Avenue towards, like, the fire station? And I always try to explain to people that I knew that the police were in the pocket of Scientology. Like, they were owned and are still owned by Scientology. So I knew I wasn't safe there. But I did have a friend who I'd known since we were both, like, 12 years old in security. And I shouldn't have gone there either. It's just... I was in a daze. So I ran to security and I picked up the phone and I was just like screaming. And the first thing that Alex Duvall said to me was like, don't get blood all over my phone because I was bleeding. You could see me through the camera. And so then the RPFIC came down and he told me to come to his office and we're screaming at each other. People came in to try and stop me from screaming at the RPF because you're supposed to like say sir to him and I'll, and I'd also known the RPF I see since we were 12 years old and so um 
you know, he got me in another interview. And the next day, the person in charge of my unit, Caroline Mustard, spent the first 45 minutes of my day telling me that basically I was like the world's biggest piece of shit and that the world would be better off without me and that like I was just completely worthless human being and that, you know, like I had never done anything right in the history of the universe, just like, but like this close to my face and just like spittling in my face. And I was just like hysterically crying, like just like, like I couldn't breathe and I was supposed to be under 24 hour watch and we were walking to the laundry unit and I just stopped walking and I turned around and I went up to the second floor and I just was like scream crying on the second floor and people started coming up and screaming at me and I just was like in a daze and I just started like scrubbing the wall in a daze for like two hours straight while people came up and just started yelling at me stuff. And after two hours, I was like, I realized like I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't stop thinking like there's no escape from here. Like I've done everything. I've finished all these things. I went at one point and begged Cece to let me go. I had to go before a board of people and say, I'm, I'm a terrible human. I can't make somebody else better. Please let me leave the Sea Org. Like I beg of you to let me leave. I cannot complete this program because I'm a terrible person. And they had actually signed the papers to let me go. And the RPFIC hung on to it for three months while I begged him every day to find out if they had sent the papers back. They waited for me to change my mind, to say, okay, I'll, I'll stay. And then he pulled out the approved paperwork and said, I knew you were going to change your mind. Like, and so I tried to finish and then this whole thing happened. And so I knew there was no escape. There was no way I was going to leave here ever. So I went in the closet, the broom closet, and I was like, I, like, I'm never going to do anything in life that's going to mean anything because everything I'm doing is wrong. So I tried to slip my wrists with the scissors that were there. They were dull. I was like, I can't even, I can't even do this right. Like, I can't even kill myself, right? These scissors are stupid. And so there was some bleach there. I had remembered from when I was a kid, Nadia Komenich's story, because I had seen that as a kid. Um, and I thought, well, maybe it'll work for me, you know? And I drank some. I do not recommend. And I fell out. I fell out of the closet backwards choking. And then that's when the guard down the hall realized something was wrong. I went down to the bathroom and started throwing up and then they quickly got me off the base. They took me like as far from the base as they could. And then the MLO Quinn Toffer called Dr. Megan Shields, um, who was a Scientology doctor. She refused to treat me and said that I had to go to the uh, All of You Medical Center where they took me to get treated. On the way there, Quintoffer, who looks like he could have been born in the Hitler Youth, he's a like blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy, like complete opposite of me, right? Um, concocted a sure story for me to repeat on the way there, um, so that I would not say that I tried to kill myself. Um, and he escorted me in in his full Theorg regalia with like the bars on his shoulders and everything because he was an officer. And 
came back with me and I was like, oh yeah, this is my cousin. My cousin. Um, and I told the doctor a story where I was like, oh yeah, I was cleaning these walls and I had like my bottle of water and then I had like a bleach diluted solution in this other bottle and I totally mixed them up like whoops a doodles and yeah and he was like that's that's what happened like three times and I was like yeah yeah that's that's what happened he's like you don't want to you don't want to go with some other thing and I was like no 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 that's him and I played it down like I wasn't in as much pain as I was and you know and they were like okay you're free to go and then they drove me around because they didn't have anywhere to take me they took me to in and out and to a Krispy Kreme. I'd never had a Krispy Kreme. We got a Krispy Kreme. And then I was under 24-hour watch. They took me to the Extended Stay America and gave me some more auditing. And then the RPFIC showed up and in the in a security car with the sirens and lights going. With it, it got on the microphone. It was like, Nora, come out of the hotel, like screaming on the microphone at like 8 o'clock at night into an actual hotel with like people in it. And I'm like, what are you? Hello? Like, this is a place with real people. You can't just roll up here like we're in a cartoon. And he's like, hey, hey, are you going to like knock off all of your just like, you know, H&R and just like come back and just get on post or what? Like as if everything that had just happened was like a joke. And in that moment, I had never been more terrified. Than in my whole life, because that moment I was like, oh, my God, it's still happening. Like there's there's still a possibility I'm not leaving. And part of me, part of me almost said the word, "Okay, like I'll get in the car with you. Like part of me was in that moment going to get in the car and go back. And a larger part of me was like, don't you? fucking dare like don't do it and so I was like no no I'm Alex I'm done he was like fine and he like pushed my arm out of the window and he like burned rubber out of the parking lot and left and that was the last thing that he said to me until he saw me years later um at an event at the base after I had left he walked right up to me. He's like, wow, you got fat. And I was like, thanks, I'm pregnant. And he was like, oh. <laughs> Usually it's the other way around. People say, oh, you look pregnant. And they go, actually, I'm not. I'm fat. That's usually the faux pas. No. He did the reverse. The- he was he was just trying to be like, oh, wow, you got really fat. Like, because he's a total yeah, dick. And I was like, you, thanks, I'm pregnant. Because you left Scientology. Oh, he, because he gosh. knew how gay I was. So the shock was that I had married a man and gotten pregnant. And so he thought that I was just going to be super gay, which I should have been. So Alex, even Alex knew how gay I was. Like, it's like, you know, yeah. But I am, I'm fortunate. I am unbelievably fortunate because my mom, I should have, you know, should have listened to my mom. My mom was like, you're gay, honey. No one cares. Go do it. My godfather was like, oh, you're like ladies. Okay. Yay. You know, like <laughs> everybody in my family was like, we don't care. And I was like, I'm going to show you. I'm going to be straight, you know, and like, I'm going to have a baby. And it was dumb. Like it was just, I, I was so, so brainwashed mm. and just so like determined 
to prove how not gay I was for whatever reason. I don't know. Like other than I just Scientology. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing that I can say. It just like, and, and also it's partially Scientology, but also like, I will say it's a generational thing too. Like I'm Gen X and growing up in the eighties and nineties, I mean, we said things were gay as an insult. Being a, a lesbian, a dyke was a super insult. Um, and um, I went through a whole series of, you know, what we call bullying now. That's such a like a triggering word. But like, you know, my quote unquote best friend in high school played a prank on me where she started a rumor that I was gay in high school to show me who my real friends were. And unfortunately, a girl who had a crush on me, who was the principal's daughter, broke up with her girlfriend and asked me out on a date. I didn't even realize I was getting asked out on a date. Like, I'm really, like, good at the dating thing. I'm a serial monogamist. Like, I married my husband and I married my wife that day. Um, and um, and then, I, then I stupidly, like, when this girl asked me out and her ex-girlfriend, like, wanted to beat me up, I was like, no, I like penis. I like penises. You know, like, that was my comeback. Yeah. Like, you know. And it was like embarrassing and like I was closeted then. And it was like, you know, being a, you know, a high school kid in the 90s, you couldn't be like out and gay. It wasn't glee. I mean, you know, like the 90s were awful for gay people. I mean, most of my friends in high school that that are now out and proud and gay were not walking the halls, doing a musical number. Like, you know, it was not, you know, my kids are like, Oh my God, you know, like my friend is, you know, they have like 87 labels on them. Like they're a NASCAR driver. Like, I'm like, you're welcome. You're welcome, kids. Like we walked through fire and we have like taken a huge path so that you guys can just be like, oh yeah, we're just going to change our name 57 times and do all these things. And like now the world is 87 rainbows. It's like, it just wasn't that in the nineties, you know, know even if you weren't weren't closeted at school it was a bit presumptuous of this girl to break up with her own girlfriend before right you know, talking to you i know <laughs> wow but i imagine compl- having that confidence complimentary though too like complimentary yeah but still yeah. presumptuous she should be a scientologist with that kind of sort of <laughs> confidence oh god i hope not oh no <laughs> nora where can people um what's your channel name and where can people why should they go to it well they can find me at oh no nora uh, on the YouTubes, also on the TikToks and the Instagrams, if you're so inclined. Uh, and my channel is right now, I'm doing a lot of coverage on the Masterson case, but you know, I'm going to be talking about, uh, Scientology and all the things, the gay and all that and, and covering it with as much humor as can be, you know, gotten out of that. Uh, from my own experience, I'm going to be talking to a lot of my friends, um, that I grew up with. Uh, you know, there are many of us out there who really haven't shared all of our stories, uh, what you've seen in shows and um, in other books and stuff like that really is like the tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg. Um, there are way more former Scientologists out there than there are current Scientologists. And we have a lot of um, things to share about it, for sure. It's a fantastic channel. People do go and subscribe to Oh No Nora. Nora, thank you for coming on. And everyone watching, hit the like thing. And I'm going to put some things up here about Scientology that you should click and keep watching. Thank you, everyone. (laughs) 
Thank you so much to Nora Ames of the Ono oh Nora channel. It's on Twitter, YouTube. Go check that out to find out more about the the well her experience in Scientology, homosexuality in Scientology, and all the other things that you might want to know about it. Give my patreon.com slash Andrew Gold a follow. It's like tipping me uh, once a month a few dollars or, or pounds or whatever it might be. It's a huge help. Helps for the running costs of this channel. Big episodes are coming up. I'm always sort of a month or two in advance with it all. Uh, I try to be anyway uh, to keep it going to, you know, three times a week. Obviously only twice at the moment on the full podcast, three times on the Patreon or the Apple subscribers. And uh, yeah, that's all I've got to tell you really. Hope you're all keeping well and I'll speak to you next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.